0: Because of no food, very little, you know, the nutrition, very poor quality of uh, drinking water, so even you know, gave a treatment, I saw same patient dying of other disease. So I felt at the time it is not just only uh, you know the medical care, but more kind of basic needs. Mm.
1: Welcome to another episode of Made with Japan. I'm your host, Ken Shibusao. For this episode, we'll be exploring the area of global health, which is having access to healthcare and medicine, a basic human need for all, especially for the disadvantaged people, and especially during these days of COVID. My guest today, Osamu or Sam Kuni of the Global Fund, is a leader in this area of global health and i'm really glad to have him what is the global fund well let's find out okay so i would like to welcome osamu kuni i guess you can go by sam kuni uh, at the global fund he's the head of strategy investment and impact division um the global fund many people know about the global fund but many people don't know, don't know about the global fund, so maybe perhaps we could start. What is the global fund, and where are you based?
0: Okay, thank you very much, uh, Ken, uh, for inviting this in- interesting you know podcast. Yeah, global fund. Sometimes you know kind of confused by many people. It's like a you know bank uh, mm-hmm. or a fund to you know invest some other things, but uh, it is a kind of a, a global fund is. Uh, mobilizing resources from variety of um, stakeholders, especially donor countries. Actually, donor countries' contribution is almost ninety-five percent or four percent, and other private sectors around six percent. But the Global Fund is called as a twenty-first century partnership organization. Why it is needed? Because we are fighting three diseases, especially the HIV, tuberculosis, malaria. As many of the audience might know, that uh, big pandemic of HIV in 1980s and 1990s, actually, it is a really serious pandemic. At that time, maybe they felt that, that is much more serious than you know, current COVID pandemic because mortality rate or fatality rate is almost 100%. You know, can you imagine because COVID is, of course, you know, very serious,
2: mm-hmm.
0: but that mortality is almost 0.3%. Uh, percent. Mm-hmm. Initially, they said three percent, but actually, if you count real, you know, all the kind of in- infected cases, even without any sign and symptoms, maybe I can say less than one percent, 0.3%. Is right? Oh, is that right? Something, it's, right?
1: That's quite, that's lower yeah. than influenza, isn't
0: it? Yeah, yeah, it is. So, um, um, so 100% means when you get infected with HIV, meaning it is really kind of death sentence, right? And many people, you know, infected. Actually, infectivity is quite high in this COVID, but even, uh, one of the highest infectious rate country is maybe less than 5%. 5% Mm -hmm. means Five people, uh, five people out of a hundred, you know, the population get infected, maybe highest, uh, in the world, kind of. But in this case, the HIV case, uh, almost 50% of the, you know, the population of the whole countries get infected, like, you know, Botswana and Zambia. When I visited Zambia, uh, it was at the time 30% of the in- infection rate, meaning mm-hmm. one out of three people get infected with HIV. Mm. And they are almost dying, you know, all wow. the person. And, sorry, when,
1: when was this? How many years ago?
0: It was 1990s. 1990s. Okay. Actually, okay. HIV was um, first case of AIDS was uh, recognized and reported 1981. Okay. And the next year, 1982, HIV virus was isolated. So almost one year they couldn't find uh, you know, HIV virus. Of course, nowadays, you know, the COVID, the, uh, because of uh advance of, uh, you know, technology and uh, medicine, very easy to isolate this uh, uh, virus. And even, you know, gene se- sequencing is uh, very easily identified. But at the time, it took one year to isolate that virus. And it took quite many years, maybe five or six years to get the First medicine to be effective. So anyway, the, uh, during that time, uh, HIV was spreading all over the world, and especially Africa. Okay. the first case was uh, reported in USA, but before that, already a lot of HIV cases are were spreading over in Africa. They nowadays they uh, found that originally that uh, HIV was coming from uh, Western or Central Africa.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And 1920s, mm-hmm. already HIV was uh, quite uh, uh, rampant in uh, Kinshasa, uh, DRC, Congo. So uh, after that, it uh, you know, spread over to Europe, Haiti, and Haiti to US, and you know, all over the world. But anyway, uh, 1990s, so many people, you know, dying of uh, HIV. And uh, even they found that some, some medicine, but uh, it was very expensive. Could you imagine one person, you know, take that medicine and uh, for one year, it costs uh, 15,000 US dollars for wow. one person.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: for one year. I see. And it is so expensive. So, uh, you know, people in Africa couldn't uh, get that. Self. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah, that is why even we have medicine. But many people were dying in Africa, and later, uh, US and uh, you know Europe, European countries, you know HIV. Even people get getting infected, they could survive. But uh, you know people in Africa and Asia were dying. By the time that became a quite big problem, although you know people in Japan or Western countries felt HIV is uh, you know no more you know, deathly disease, but uh, still many people are dying. So in the year of 2000, mm-hmm. actually G8 summit was held in Okinawa. And at a time, many leaders from US, UK, Japan, they felt they have to do something because mm-hmm. HIV, and not only HIV, because HIV also influenced other diseases, like tuberculosis, also was surging. you know. And malaria still killing so many children and mothers in Africa and other countries. Mm-hmm. So they felt, okay, maybe health is also quite important because that they are, even uh, Western countries try to alleviate poverty. But, uh, you know, the people get ill and die, meaning just lowering, lowering mm-hmm. the productivity, right? So they cannot, mm-hmm. uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, improve. Their GDP and the health status, and um, so many, you know, the health workers and even teachers were dying all by uh, HIV at that time. Mm-hmm. So HIV really influenced other sectors, especially mm-hmm. education, uh, agriculture, mm-hmm. and uh, other so, uh, social sectors. That is why uh, leaders in the world are uh, gather in Twinawa and the Kishi. And at the time, G8 summit really had an agreement on creating some kind of a global partnership, very new partnership mm-hmm. uh, to save those kind of people, not only, you know, HIV, but the other health uh, issues as well. So uh, it was the first time for G8 leaders uh, took this health agenda mm-hmm. and even UN General Assembly also took that health issue as a quite core. So uh, as you might know that uh, millennium de- development goals they set mm-hmm. and uh, you know the uh, global international societies try to achieve uh, the, some of the you know development goals by 2015 and uh, in the year of 2000 uh, in U.S. the uh, U.N. General Assembly tried to you know right. uh, declare millennium you know yeah. and including three out of eight global uh but common development agenda mm-hmm. became uh you know the health i see so,
1: so uh so, MDG, fund, was so, yeah. so mdgs uh, started in 2000 and the g8 summit in okinawa and kyushu was also in 2000 and so there was a lot of crisis i guess globally in the health as you mentioned during the 1990s so with the turn of the new millennium new century there's a recognition by the advanced nations of the world to come together to tackle the these. The, I guess you call it the three contagious diseases. What's, what's the right phrase for it? It's the three most nature cont-
0: major clears or three major infectious diseases. Infectious
1: disease, yeah. right, right. And, and can we maybe we should discuss a little bit about the disease? Um, you talked about AIDS. Malaria is is a big killer, as, as you mentioned, for I, th- I believe children under five or something like that, and most of that is yeah. in Africa.
0: Yeah, of course, and also uh, even mothers, because uh, you know malaria usually uh, proliferate inside of the erythrocyte, red blood cell. So uh, mm-hmm. uh, malaria really make a uh, lot of people, you know, get infected anemia. And anemia is uh, quite serious because um, mothers, especially when they uh, get delivery,
2: mm-hmm. you
0: know, they lose uh, blood. I see. So uh, you know, anemic uh, women are very likely to be killed by you know this uh, blood loss. So uh, malaria is also one of the very big killers of the mothers. I see.
1: And, and why, why for children under five years old, what is malaria so fatal?
0: Yeah, usually you know, under five, uh, children are not immune to variety of um, infectious diseases, and especially malaria is quite strong to you know variety of uh, organs inside of uh, children and human beings, so uh, quite uh, easy to get infected because of no uh, immunity and also get serious health by that the lower, lower immunity. I see, and I I
1: guess um you know. Diseases like AIDS and malaria, for from the Japanese context perspective, AIDS was in a very special, specific uh, part of the population. Um, malaria is something I guess that in, existed in Japan way back, um, uh, in, in Okinawa for sure, but in, in the Honshu area uh, way back, but basically no malaria these days tuberculosis though however yeah i don't know right, right after the war a lot, a lot of people got infected by tuberculosis and so that's more closer to home for i guess for many japanese and especially the older generation what were the advances that were what was made because the global fund as i understand it was formed um, as a result of the ga okinawa summit well because and the global fund came together and and as a result, what kind of uh, impact did did the fund have in terms of uh, alleviating um, these diseases?
0: Yeah, of course. So, um, Japan is already experienced in a variety of imported cases of malaria, but not only malaria, but even dengue diseases. Mm. Um, I forgot exactly when it was, but several years ago, there were more than 100 cases in Japan. Even those who are just running or jogging around the yogi yogi, you know, park, <laughs> yes. you know, they get, uh, you know, a uh, bite by a mosquito mm-hmm. and yep. get, uh, dengue disease. And because of this global uh, warming, this, um, area of, uh, particular mosquitoes are, you know, residing, are kind of, uh, expanding now. So, uh, now, na- maybe decades later or several decades later, even Northern Europe, or even you know most of the area of Japan are kind of become the area, particular mosquitoes can transmit and uh, could you know, translate even malaria, dengue, and other vector points. Actually, in US already, West Nile disease—it's also quite fatal sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the past, there was no case, but nowadays, all the uh, states are infected with this un- West Nile, and uh, millions of people are you know, infected. So it is possible, you know, even uh, disease in particular African regions you know, originated or spreading, but it is easy to just get you know spreading to all over the world in this you know very global transportation mm-hmm. uh, from one place to other place mm. so uh that is why you know japan also needs to be prepared so this time even COVID is very easily you know the spreading from china to all over the world right and uh even SARS MERS uh even Ebola so there are a lot of kind of that. That is why, you know, initially, you know, that at the time, uh, three diseases were quite uh, pandemic, and, uh, you know, uh, spreading over. That is why uh, at that time, Japan was also, you know, kind of responsible for subsiding this uh, global pandemic and uh, trying to use that kind of uh, experience to other diseases as well. And the Global Fund is also, uh, you know, strengthening the health system in Africa and Africa. So that uh, even uh, other pandemic stuff, also uh, they are trying to subscribe by their own, with the mm-hmm. help of uh, global fund. Other mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: So, so the global fund gets its financing from the, the mostly from the governments. I believe your headquarters are based in Geneva. Is that right? and and so its its function is to purchase the drugs that you so you, that you can deliver to to the developing developing and um emerging countries is is that the main function
0: yeah but uh you know um usually international organizations make uh, their own programs to support countries but the uh, global fund was created with the partnership of even implementing countries. So you know from donor countries or you know developed countries, supporting developing countries, that's kind of one way of support is was questioned at the time. So mm-hmm. people really wanted to create that new system, meaning trying to empower the uh, developing country itself themselves. So what mm-hmm. they really need to strengthen. Their ownership and their capacity to make up their own plan and their own kind of implementation. Of course, uh, you know uh, from the beginning, sometimes it's quite difficult because the capacity in the countries, some especially the fragile countries, they do not have a, enough capacity to plan and manage those you know funding and the programs. That is why we need to also create a, you know technical assistance. But anyway, global fund provide the funding based on the country's ownership and the country's leadership. So some of the countries uh, may need lots of uh, medicine, right? So they request, but the medicine should be delivered by health workers. But in that, those countries, usually they don't have uh, enough health workers. Mm-hmm. So they also request the training. And sometimes, uh, kind of operational cost for moving from one place to other, especially, you know, access to a very remote areas, very, very hot. Sometimes like, in several days they have to walk or uh, uh, use a truck to deliver in a mountain area or mm-hmm. like a desert area. So we also cover those, uh, the operational costs as well. So anyway, uh, each country are responsible to make a kind of plan and implement. But of course, assurance is needed. That is why we have a, some kind of independent uh, agencies to monitor and uh, assure the quality and, uh, you know, prevent the fiduciary risk and analysis. I see.
1: What do you think? If the global fund wasn't formed, I, th- I think it was formed in 2002, if my memory serves me correct. So like, almost 20 years. And so, um, if the Global Fund didn't come to formation, what do you think would have happened to, what would be the current status for AIDS and malaria and tuberculosis? I mean, how how many lives do you think you save by having the Global Fund around?
0: Yeah, so far, by the calculation and the estimation, we have uh, saved 38 million people
1: well, that's a lot. in the
0: world. Yeah, that's a lot. And I can say, you know, there are other you know, many other agencies, y- including NGO, governments, organizations, other international organizations like WHO, uh, also, you know, uh, helping and uh, really making their own effort. I was working once in uh, UNICEF. UNICEF mm-hmm. also have uh, quite uh, good programs in the countries, but uh, sometimes quite difficult to work together. Actually, when I was working in UNICEF, in many countries, I tried to make a kind of joint program with WHO, UNFPA and other NGOs, but it is not so easy, you know, easy to say, but it's quite difficult to implement <laughs> sure, yeah? Sure, yeah. because, uh, you know, each organization wants to have their own, you know, kind of work. And sometimes, you know, NGOs really want to show up, okay, we have done this and that for, you know, the resource mobilization. So. Sometimes joint programs uh would, would dilute their own kind of uh visibility, uh, right? So uh some of the NGOs actually they are very much reluctant to work together. <laughs> kind of funny things. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it was quite difficult. Uh, I really felt that kind of difficult. But because of creation of global fund, global fund is not a real kind of implementing party. So even from WHO. UNICEF or even NGOs, they don't feel they are uh, Global Fund's rival. You know, okay. But rather, you know, Global Fund is providing you know, good funding to them I see, I see. and uh, kind of become a kind of a facilitator or kind of catalytic you know, effect to bind variety of uh, the partners. So uh, I can say Global Fund created kind of a synergy and become a pretty much that kind of taking a catalytic role to make each organization's, you know, effectiveness and higher effectiveness, and also uh, my high, higher like, efficiency.
1: I see. That makes it Well, because the Global Fund had the financing, you were able to align the interest, I guess, for, for the many players uh, in, in the area, I guess. That, that's the way to look at it. Huh? So as a head of strategy, investment and impact, what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's quite difficult to say because um, <laughs> maybe I can say
0: my division is uh, most uh, diverse in my uh, secretariat because uh, in my division, uh, there are five departments. One is uh, clinical advice and partnership, really creating or leveraging partners and also providing a uh, technical assistance. So even HIV, TB, malaria, and the health system experts are inside and the monitoring evaluation uh, experts are also inside that top And other one is the ARCHI, the Community Human Rights Gender Department. This uh, handle kind of uh, reducing human rights barriers or promoting community uh, system and also uh, gender uh equality so uh it more kind of a cross-cutting and enabling quite the factors they are promoting Other one is access to funding they are providing countries for that information and uh, others for uh, access to funding and also uh, they support technical review panel for reviewing the funding request and the other one is health financing they recently created it is um leveraging uh, domestic resources as well and also innovative financing you might know that that you know uh, social impact point. Mm-hmm. so uh, uh, that department also are uh, trying to find a way to you know, leverage more innovative financing or domestic resource as well as uh, you know donors funding because you know in this uh, COVID era especially you know donor fundings are quite uh, you know volatile but mm-hmm. uh, maybe difficult to, to get uh, more resources. So uh, we also need to support countries, you know, that developing countries to mobilize uh, their own, uh, resources or even, you know, innovative financing or blended financing that get or help, you know, mm-hmm. utilizing that, uh, for the health investment and, uh, you know, several others even.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: yeah, so there are a lot of things. And, um, uh, other one is, uh, uh, yeah, strategic information department. So, uh, hunting, the uh, you know, the data and, uh, in creating investment case, uh, and also, a future, you know, estimation of, um, requ- uh, the money and also, uh, the impact, also measuring the impact, how many people dying, uh, also, about it. And also uh, how many fictions also about it by global. Mm-hmm. So I can say okay. quite a diverse.
1: <laughs> quite a diverse. And, and sounds very <laughs> actually it sounds very complicated. That's probably why you need yeah. st- strategy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but I'm um, curious um, how you ended up where you are now. I mean, you, you I guess you grew up in Japan. Did you always have interest in, in going abroad in, in, med- in med- medical or in healthcare?
0: Yeah, actually, I wanted to be medical doctor since I was very, very you know, child. Because maybe, maybe my mother was a nurse and my father was a laboratory physician. Okay. I, I see. got a lot of stories about, um, uh-huh. you know, that, uh ill uh, patients and uh, people uh, who are dying of uh, cancer and others. So I really wanted to be a doctor. Mm-hmm. But uh, when I was uh, maybe in high school I read the uh, biography of uh, Schweitzer Albert Shibaita, mm-hmm. uh who worked in, uh, in Africa actually devoted himself to Africa, but he was also a philosopher uh, organized a uh, lot of talent and at the time uh, you know Africa was uh, called kind of dead continent uh, de- uh, black continent and dead continent so uh, I really wanted to work uh, in somewhere who really need you know medical help. Mm. That's why I selected the uh, GG Medical University, which uh you know provides all the tuition fee free <laughs> and uh you I know see. provides uh, even living cost. So wow. I could be a you know medical doctor free of charge and also mm-hmm. they could send that you know the doctors to a remote area. I felt in that remote area also included Africa, but actually <laughs> it was on the uh, remote area in Japan. Oh, really?
2: So, okay. Uh, yeah, Okay. that's
0: why, so after graduation, I worked in very remote area in Nikko, the y- Nikko, right?
2: Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: Nikko, so uh, in the, there are a lot of villages inside of Nikko. Uh, I worked in one of the
1: mountainous areas I see. and uh, served for Awesome. Really? So so you started out as a domestic doctor? I didn't realize.
0: Very much, yeah. Very oh, I much see. a domestic I was okay. Well wow. I was working.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, so well, what was your first ticket outside of Japan to, to some exotic place?
0: Uh, yeah. Actually, when I was even medical students, I was very much interested. So uh, I worked as a volunteer in a refugee camp. Mm. In uh, Africa, especially Somalia, at the time, mm-hmm. there was oh. a very, uh, wow. big you know, influx of uh, refugees. This is 1980s? Uh, 1984 or 5. I see. Yeah. 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 It's a, especially Ogaden uh, conflict between, it's a kind of Cold War, right? So Ethiopia mm. and Somalia mm-hmm. fight together. I see. And uh, there are a lot of, uh, you know, refugees I mean, mm. backed by, you know, Soviet Union and backed by US, so it's kind of uh, yeah uh, war uh, directly be- between Somalia and uh, Ethiopia, but the uh, entire you
1: know Russia, Soviet. Okay, so I see. So, uh, so so you're doing medical care in, in conflict areas.
0: Yeah, at the time I worked in uh, refugee, and yeah. I also visited parental places. Or I really wanted to see, you know that. Re- reality of uh, you know health uh, and uh, patients. So and I visited almost thirty or forty countries yeah. when I was. Uh,
1: and, w- and what was the what was the reality and what was different? But you you imagine what a refugee camp was going there, um as a doctor. What was the reality once you got there?
0: Actually, there are a variety of reality because I also visited uh, you know Cambodia uh, refugee camp and others. And but of course you know. Uh, always more people who are in need and mm-hmm. more sick and ill people are there, but, very uh, less, uh, you know, resources for mm-hmm. health, education, even livelihood food, and food, even water sanitation. So, uh, I really felt, uh, you know, I have to do something, but, uh, I was at the loss at the time because, um, I felt very helpless even working in refugee camp for two months. Of course, at the time I was a medical student, but even I saw some of the doctors working there, lack of uh, medicine, lack of water, clean water. So it is very difficult for them to work even as a medical doctor who have a lot of experience and knowledge because of no food very little, you know, the nutrition, very really poor quality of uh, drinking water. So even, you know, gave a treatment. I saw same patient dying of other disease. So I felt at the time it is not just only, uh, you know, the medical care, but more kind of basic needs, needs to be you know, fulfilled. Mm. So um, at the time I was really <laughs> kind of, uh, but I I felt okay. I need to study much more than medicine. Maybe public health, water sanitation, nutrition,
2: and mm-hmm. other
0: kind of things. I really felt that is why after you know graduation of uh, medical school, I also went to uh, US mm-hmm. for
1: studying the public health. Mm-hmm. You, you could have been much more comfortable being a doctor in Japan. But you decided to take the difficult road. Um, why? Why was that?
0: Uh, yeah. I was asked many times, but uh, it is not a matter of uh, difficult or easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I really uh, love to do that one, and I really want to, yeah, work for those people who are in need, because you know, if in Japan, of course, you know, you can serve to those who are in need but uh, i felt you know more need demands are there in africa so when i was working in a remote area in nico i said to the mayor of the village uh hey mayor sorry i want to take uh two weeks leave of course during that leave i will ask my friend doctor to come come in and um, of course, uh, you know, humans serve, uh people here in the village. And uh, that mayor asked me, why you are going? Uh, because, uh, you know, there is a Somalia. And uh, there are many people dying every day. I'm sorry to say, but, you know, in this village, of course, people dying. But not so kind of a serious or urgent. So, uh, you know, I have to go there. Just two weeks will help a lot. And the mayor gave me, you know, some uh, money <laughs> to mm-hmm. buy medicine. And yeah, uh, yeah I served for you know, two, two, two weeks. So oh. I kind of created kind of NGO to support such uh, oh, okay. uh, wow. refugees and others. We call Amuda. Okay. At the time, yeah, there were several people who created. It. I'm uh, one of the founders. And uh, through that NGO, even while I was working in Japan, mm-hmm. I Visited those uh, you know, direct, um, for emergency situation a few times a year. So maybe I can say it was kind of a
1: first kind of exposure in
2: my mm-hmm. life
1: to the world. I see. Back in April, uh, I had the honor to uh, present to the Prime Minister of Japan a paper from the private sector, business leaders, we had this uh, uh, group of business leaders, uh, including large companies like NEC and Toyota Tsusho and Daiwa Securities, and, and from very also startup as well. The presentation of the paper was that basically that the Japanese government should double the amount of ODA for global health within the next five years. And currently I believe there's about 5% being allocated to global health uh, of, of the ODA budget. And we felt that it should be doubled to about 10%, which puts it in par, in par with, with the other uh, uh, advanced uh, G, G7, I guess G7 now, G7 nations. And the way we presented it was that, Prime Minister Suga, when he made a commitment for carbon neutral by 2050, I believe he felt that it was a growth strategy for new new industries. Similarly, for global health, obviously with this COVID, there's lots of economic uh, problems that we saw. Uh, having healthy people around the globe um, making sure that, um, there's, that there's health, um, supports the economy. And also it's, it's, it's a, a growth strategy for, for, the, uh, for, for a lot of industries uh, here in Japan and abroad. But when there are problems domestically, currently COVID is a big domestic problem uh, all over the world, there's always an argument that, you know, why should we be spending money for people we don't know far away? when we got problems of our own and how would you respond to that kind of f- fair argument but
0: yeah that's right so uh, uh, maybe there are several kind of reasons maybe toward politician. maybe I can say Japanese technologies and Japanese kind of products also could be used for advancing people's health in the world so like this time COVID, you know, the Western countries also get bene- uh, benefits, you know, from some of the private sectors uh, because they successfully developed the vaccine, for example, and even diagnostics and uh, other, you know, PPE for personal protective equipment and several others also, you know, could be, be supporting those people in the world, in the world, but also if it uh, produce, you can get that kind of benefit. So, uh, of course, you know, people, uh, in the developed countries really suffer, but uh, some of the private sector really got a good benefit. So if very direct monetary, you know, uh, purpose, uh, of course, the Japanese technology could be used. Of course, this time in COVID, it was not so, but, uh, Maybe for future, again, you can revive Japanese technology and the private sector's contribution to the world. So maybe it is the first Second kind one, of, um, maybe I have to say also health is a really kind of basic you know, human needs and also human rights. So uh, Japan as uh, one of the top donors and also um developed countries and also real you know, one of the leading G7 countries. Japan also has a really kind of accountability responsibility. And really need a kind of committee to advance this uh, world human rights and also advance human rights and also basically maybe mm-hmm. very, very you know important principle. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And third one is you know, as COVID showed, pandemic preparedness and response very critical to save all the people, including you know Japan. That. and also these health issues really appreciated the economy in the South, in the world so just one virus you know is it just mm-hmm. one virus yeah. really affected you know all kind of economy and others that is why japan also needs to invest in this. yeah
1: well as you mentioned earlier in the program covid the death i guess ratio i guess is the way to I mean, it's one percent. But if this virus, the mortality rate, if it was much higher, you know, ten percent, fifty percent, you know, seventy percent, the just imagine the scale of the damage in society, and in economy. That, that would that would that would have uh, had. So I, I guess it just makes plain sense to be prepared to make sure that kind of uh, pandemic doesn't happen. It's a, what we call, I guess, a long tail risk. It doesn't happen very often, but if it happens, it's really, it's really nasty. How do you, how do we get people to focus on these long tail risk?
0: Well, you know, usually crisis management, a uh, very important principle is you always be prepared for worst case scenario. Yeah. But, uh, sometimes this risk is, uh, We need to think that the likelihood and also impact right and uh people feel okay this uh, pandemic likelihood would be once in a hundred years even though impact is very very huge so sometimes you know they don't want to spend huge amount of money for the preparedness of very less likely you know kind of event right and uh, in the past there were some uh, novel influenza sars etc but japan was luckily you know quite uh, avoiding that real uh, impact on that one and uh, you know mortality was quite uh, you know less than other countries and sars you know didn't come uh to uh, uh japan so uh, somehow japan could avoid that kind of a uh, you know past uh, the, the tragedy. So uh, sometimes quite difficult, you know, to persuade Japanese uh, leaders to be prepared for those and invest in health and etc. But actually when you look at um, this uh, COVID situation, those uh you know lack of uh, investment really kind of uh, matter and also like uh, impacted the current kind of Hmm.
1: Agreed. Agreed. Um. This this program is called Made with Japan. And so it seems like to me there's a role that Japan can play in global health, so that we can co-create a safe and prosperous world for not just for us but for the world. Is is Japan? Do you think doing enough in in global health, or do you, do we need to do more? Um, what are the issues that you see? For Japan to get I
0: really, Yeah. I really feel Japan can do more and also better because, you know, in the past, Japan really kind of tackled, for example, even tuberculosis, uh, very well. And, uh, you know, when you look at, a reduction curve of under five mortality or tuberculosis, it's very, very, uh, you know, the rapid. Very rapidly reduce those, uh, you know, infectious disease and also under five mortality. And Japan has a quite a good practice, tactics and the strategy. Uh, like, uh, especially, you know, community-based approach. They try to, for example, uh, for tuberculosis eradication from Japan or control Japan, they ask that the community and even workplace and, uh, you know, the schools, they ask the masters of the schools, or mayor of the communities and uh, head of that workplaces to support this disease control, like uh, X-ray, you know, examination and uh, BCC and uh, regular checkup of health. So that uh, and also community health workers also uh, visit those kind of areas and try to make a um, good multi, you know, sector approach. So that kind of you know community-based approach. Also, uh, uh, related to you know municipal kind of control, or much higher the prefectural, you know, the uh, 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 governance. They are very much kind of well connected. So a uh, uh, top-down approach plus bottom-up approach is a very much kind of harmonized. That kind of you know experience could be utilized in Africa, for example, because uh, you know the basic uh, community health uh, work also needs. Some kind of tactics and those tactics was quite created in Japan. So, um, there are a lot of things, even, you know, that kind of strategy tactics. And of course, you know, medicine and vaccines are also created in, in Japan, uh, in many, for many diseases in the past. But nowadays, of course, you know, uh, infectious diseases are quite less. That is why it kind of no sensitive, uh, no incentive for private sectors te- to te- 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 you know, spend their own money for researching development. But anyway, and also, um, you know, it, Japan, uh, as you know, quite uh, not so good at uh, creating from zero to one, right? But from one to ten or ten to hundred, quite uh, you know good at. That is why maybe in this era, maybe quite difficult to create the like Gafa type of uh, you know the companies. But uh, once we understand that global needs and demand, maybe Japan could create much smaller devices or cheaper prices or more convenient product. So for example, uh, recently we found that Fuji film uh, also uh, contributed a lot by making lighter X-ray machines and using AI for uh, automatic you know, the diagnosis for tuberculosis, for example. And it, it could be, you know, quite useful, uh, in Africa, especially, you know, AI would be very, very useful in Africa because creating medical doctors takes time and, uh, you know, a lot of money. And, uh, in many cases, people brain drain to, you know, other Western countries. And that. But AI, if we, you know, uh, distribute, it mm-hmm. could be used much higher level. Mm. of uh, you know diagnosis in any places using that internet and uh, you know providing precise uh, you know, treatment mm. so uh, maybe we could think you know utilizing Japanese technologies and even wisdom in the past maybe binding together and helping Africa and Africa mm. maybe it is really possible
1: That's interesting because you know if there was if there was an AI doctor technology here in Japan, I think that company would have a very difficult time implementing that here domestically because there would be a lot of people against AI doctors um, because of you know there's lots of doctors already here in Japan. But if you implement it, let's say in Africa where there's a shortage of doctors, um, and you can establish a track record of you know of the accuracy of the diagnosis that itself looks like a growth strategy actually but just one last question before i let you go is for japan to get more get more involved in global health it seems like well financing but the other important piece of the puzzle i think is more people like yourself in the global health area globally coming out here from Japan. Do you think there's a trend towards that or not? Or if there is not, what's the problem?
0: Well, uh, uh, it's a bit difficult to say because I find that uh, even now, I find that a lot of people who are interested to work in Africa. But uh, kind of in general, (laughs) you know, young young people tend tend to you know stay in Japan and uh, work quite domestically and uh, not so much kind of dare to have a very big ambitious kind of dream especially at the global level so I have some kind of worry or concern at the same time I still have hope. So um maybe uh we need to give uh, some kind of incentive to work in Africa and try to increase the number of those kind of people who want to work or who could work in uh, other countries, especially developing countries. And uh, we also need to show that even, you know, Africa is a really kind of uh, area for giving a lot of, not only challenge, but also opportunities. Because, uh, as you know, you know, uh, Africa has a very big, big uh, market in terms of, uh, you know, the population and also young population, especially, and a lot of demand there. So, uh, you know, if you start startup in Africa, of course, there are some chance for you know benefit as well. Even two big companies, also uh, really need to, you know, look at the. The global market to get their own benefit at the same time, uh, helping those kind of people. Because uh, as you know, SDGs are nowadays a quite fancy, uh, kind of word and also, uh, <laughs> increase their, the chance of, um, the profit and their business. So, uh, maybe they really need to look at, the, you know, the world as also opportunities not only just challenge or something just only humanitarian support we mm. can maybe make kind of both the benefits or you know helping those at the same time getting their own problem mm.
1: okay great
0: that is why i really want to you know the uh, work for youngsters young people to uh, uh, get exposed
1: and also, uh, to have a
0: better job. I really want to contribute
1: to mm. those kind of areas. Okay, great. Well, that sounded like a very nice closing message uh, for our audience um, today. So um, I know you have a very, very busy, busy schedule. <laughs> and um, so I don't want to keep you, but I really want to thank you for spending your time. And it was good catching up with you because I haven't seen you in person for for a very, very long time. Uh, okay, so thank you very much.
0: Thank you very much.
1: As we heard, what drove Sam from Japan to the global arena in global health was all about helping those people in need. We can use a lot more people like Sam in this world. And I'm sure that he's a great role model for all those who want to follow. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please have a nice day or evening, wherever you are.